0: All right, welcome back to Firewall. I'm um, your host, Bradley Tusk. Our guest today—I'm not sure, Chris—are you a guest or are you just kind of with
1: us? Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm like a reoccurring yeah, guest. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: Chris Coffey, who, as our listeners know, is the CEO of Tusk Strategies. Chris comes on every few months, and we talk about politics, uh, especially in New York, but but the national as well, and. Uh, Seemed like a good time to do it the governor gave her state of the state yesterday we've got some various uh, elections of different kinds popping up um so uh chris thanks for joining us
1: thanks for having me good so to be back
0: let's start with with albany uh governor hochel gave her state of the state address yesterday um what'd you think of it
1: i thought it was good i mean i was I reading the coverage today the coverage was. Good and and I read the Post and the Times, so that gives you some sense. The, I thought the Post, I mean, she has this challenge with the Post. Uh, I would argue that the 2022 election that she had, that was very very close, was in part, in large part, because the Post made it close. Um, the Post relentlessly attacked her, and so I, it feels like she's done a better job of softening them up by talking about. Uh, retail theft. By talking about her new bill to close illegal cannabis shops, which the Post was all about, um, and her kind of overall tone. Now, she didn't mention migrants, so you know she had this state of the state speech that somehow didn't hit homelessness or migrants. So, um, so the Post didn't love it, but they they liked it, or it felt like they liked it. So that's not nothing.
0: Well, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I thought the coverage in all of the papers, was generally pretty good. The Post did explicitly grade her in the editorial page and gave it one and a half stars, which I don't think anyone would consider good. Um, But I I overall thought the speech was quite good. Um, I read it. I didn't watch it. Uh, I don't have the patience to to watch it. But, um, you know, she addressed a lot of stuff that I think are on the minds of real people. And I think, you know, what I congratulate her for is there's the world of... Albany and advocates and pundits, and they have the issues that they care about, and then there's the world of real people, and I think the kind of stuff that Hokel talked about, like illegal weed shops and mentally ill people on the streets and violence and illegal cannabis stores and the dangers to kids posed by social media like that's stuff that real people care about. I mean that's why, for example, Eric Adams is so unpopular is You know, he could argue that he's achieving most of the things he said he would do, but the city just feels like shit, and therefore people are unhappy. And I think Hochul recognized both that um, people are unhappy about the specific quality of life issues that we're facing across a lot of New York. But more broadly, the the world is kind of in in a rough place emotionally right now, and I think she was very wise to recognize that and reflect it.
1: So I think Kathy Hochul is a moderate, and she was fooled in the last election for a while in thinking that she had to out-progressive the progressives. And at some point in the election, very, very late, too late, she kind of woke up and said, oh, wait, but I care about public safety a lot because I'm a moderate. Uh, And then she started being a little bit more true to what I think she really is, which is like a moderate lady from Buffalo, like, you know, a couple inches over and she'd be a Republican. So... Um, That being said, I thought all of the things you just said, she tried to balance. So, yes, we need homeless people off the street. Let's add 200 mental health beds. Like everything had a yin and a yang to it. Um, Whether that's good or not, I don't know, but it's probably smart politics. I saw Mike Gennaris like stormed out of the speech because he thought the um, housing stuff was too pro-developer and not... um, and not good enough on like it, rent protections, it, but, I, he, but I but I also know that a lot of the housing advocates are happy with her plans for Greedmore and yeah. uh, and affordable housing and and Gowanus and other places. Is Janaris mainly performative,
0: or does he actually have beliefs? It strikes me that he's just just tall performative.
1: I just don't know. Who knows? But but you know, he's 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 a symbol of the kind of progressive left in the Senate and of advocates. So I think he's a good a good, you know, he's he's not going to be way out by himself. If he thinks that, it's it's probably fair to say that some of the advocates also think that. So, and, and, that and that, by the way, that's a sign that I think she's, that, you know, uh, she, she has moved to moderation.
0: Yeah, and I mean, politically... So Hoku runs again in 26, presumably. I understand there's a lot of variables. James could run, Andrew Cuomo could run, a lot of shit could happen. But, but just for the moment, if you think of it as a more traditional gubernatorial re there's also arguably just no point in her worrying about the left because they're going to be unhappy no matter what. Um, they're going to be unhappy unless their candidate wins. And then even when that happens, they decide their candidate, like when they had De Blasio in office, isn't liberal enough anyway. They're not going to support her in the primary. Um, And so, and, you know, Zephyr Teachout tried this against Cuomo. It failed. Cynthia Nixon tried this against Cuomo. It failed. You know, it's just there's not enough of the electorate that's progressive for Hochul to lose a Democratic primary. And then, as you said the more that she moves left in the primary, the more likely she is to face a bigger challenge in the general election. So, I mean, why wouldn't the advice be to basically just ignore the left entirely?
1: Right, so I think in the city we learned from Scott Stringer and Corey Johnson, who I love, but both of whom really ran, tried to run to the left to try to win over that sort of far left vote when they were going to run for mayor. And it didn't work, it didn't work because the left just fundamentally didn't believe Corey, and in Scott's case, they threw him overboard at the first chance they had. So, and they found someone who's more left. They're always going to find someone who's more left. So, I also think, you know, for Kathy Hochul, we talk about this a lot. Authenticity tends to trump, and like she's not a progressive. So, like, don't pretend to be a progressive. Just go out and be yourself. Be a working. You know, grandmother who's raised kids here, who knows the issues that people care about. She's been talking a lot more about that on the stump. I also think she does well in comparison to some of the stuff going on around Eric Adams, um, to a lesser extent, Joe Biden. um, She just looks like she's just kind of working. Well,
0: working and and a little more in tune with the concerns uh, of of regular people. Um, So, okay, so Albany, the state of the state is sort of the official opening bell for the uh, legislative session it goes through june um tell me what big issues you see getting dealt with this year and what big issues do you think will fail to be addressed
1: well I i mean housing is the is the biggest issue i think for um for the governor and for the legislature and she made uh you know, invested a lot of capital in, in her housing policies last year proposals, and they and they didn't happen. I mean, it, it, it would have taken sort of a lot of courage in the suburbs to want housing in, in the suburbs, which, you know, we don't have when a you lot say of housing, you mean affordable, affordable housing, housing, which means
0: poor, poor people, dark people with darker skin living among richer people with lighter skin. And, and breaking, let's,
1: let's just be honest about what this is. And breaking news the folks in the suburbs, you know, if you go to Westchester and Long Island, like breaking news, they don't want that. They don't want
0: that, right? Uh, yeah. So, okay. So then, what specifically, just for the listeners, just if, if Kathy Hochul today could just wave a wand and her housing plan becomes policy, what would it be?
1: Oh, I don't. I I, I think this time she said she hasn't. She hasn't really released a housing plan. I mean, there's developer and in, there's incentives in her speech and she's what she's tried to do over the last six months is take state land that the state can just instantly snap its fingers and uh and do by almost executive order and she's tried to find places where on state land the state can supplement uh and give incentives for affordable housing she's done it in Gowanus she's announced it in Creedmoor and a few other places what she hasn't done is figured out how to get developers you know the 420 a that expired how to get that, which gives some incentives to developers to build affordable housing. It expired, I think, in twenty one or twenty. How to get that back in, and so I think this um, state of the state had ideas for how to get that back in. That's that's where Mike Generis walked out and said, "But you're not addressing renters' concerns, and we're and what know.
0: what are the concerns of of renters? I mean, New York City has the most comprehensive kind of rent stabilization rent protection program of any city i think in the world you know so what what is it that generis wants that we're not already doing
1: i think he wants to make it very 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 hard to throw someone out of their uh place it's the no what's it called bill um that failed last year that he's pushing and it meaning
0: like someone chooses not to pay rent it doesn't matter
1: well i don't think they would characterize it that way but there, there's some of that, Hugo. Didn't you have?
0: Um,
2: yeah, we owned a home no where the renters wouldn't leave. Yeah, so um, so, what, so we got what was some. We got some. Uh, we got some compensation from the state. Didn't cover everything. So I guess that's the way. Do, it would do work. you
0: feel like, based on your own personal experience, renters need more protection?
2: You know, our case was unusual. I think if there was real financial distress on the part of uh, renters, I think I, I don't know what the right answer is. It's it's very. Um, uh, it's very difficult, obviously, to be a homeowner in that situation, but um, but I don't think our situation uh, is representative of what goes on in the world. Got I it. would say that.
1: Okay. So, so Chris. And, and by the way, yeah. Kathy Hochul signed into law in December, just this December, the Safe Housing Act, which establishes new streamlined legal proceeding that allows courts to order monetary judgment against landlords that ignore poor housing conditions. So, she's done... A bunch of stuff but I think there's more rent protection that yeah, which, which may
0: not way. be mutually exclusive with steps that make affordable housing easier to build I mean I think one thing that, that Gavin Newsom did very well in California was he removed a lot of the bureaucratic roadblocks um, in environmental reviews and community reviews and all kinds of just process that people use to block the construction of affordable housing um, which is I think where are was trying to go yep. last year um, in theory, Mike generous should support all that stuff um, because it doesn't. He doesn't mean he can't get what he wants on, on more renter protection, and it would ultimately lead to the construction of more affordable housing, which is supposedly
1: what he cares about. I doubt he'll get that. I think I, I, I do think you I, I do think he's looking for a deal, and I read his comments to be a deal. You do this, I do that. I think that that is going to be lots of incentives for developers to build stuff, but I don't think you're going to get back to the suburban stuff. That's just a guess.
0: So, all right. uh, She did address a bunch of quality of life stuff, which was interesting because, you know, they're really seen more as local issues, right? Shoplifting, illegal weed sales, mentally ill people on the streets. But Eric Adams is not dealing with any of these problems. And he does like to point the finger at Albany to say, "It's, it's their fault. They haven't given me the authority that I need. So there's legislation now that was introduced that Hochul touted yesterday that would, give the city the authority to just padlock the illegal weed shops. What's going to happen to that bill?
1: I don't know. And I don't know the difference. I don't know the difference between that bill and the Jennifer Raj Kuman. I, I bill. interpret it sort of
0: the same. Same bill. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, there it, it's harder now. This is not, you know, pendulum swing in politics. And if this bill had been introduced in 2020, before cannabis was actually like legally operating in New York, obviously it wouldn't have mattered. But um, but if you had introduced this bill a few years ago, it would have failed. Um, and now I think there's such um, anger at all of the cannabis shops. I think the program has been rolled out in a very strange and arduous way. It's not making as much money. There's, not, there's just not as many defenders out there for the program as there was, as there would have been. Um, and so I assume that a bill like that should have good chances of passage. The unions won't oppose it. So who, um, who would oppose it? Well, ad- advocates. Uh, for what advocates for illegal drugs? Yeah, cannab- cannabis advocates for you know who think that folks have been locked up for too long. I mean, the pro- the program as as it was designed has some good good things in right, it. but doesn't. But, the, it, but it hasn't been rolled out that way. Right,
0: but doesn't allowing all these illegal shops that don't uh, abide by any of the rules hurt the people who are supposed to benefit from it? Sure, the law?
1: absolutely. Which is why which is why they had sued them to get some of these shops closed. Um, So So would you predict that does or does not pass? I think it should pass. I I hate to be an Albany mind reader because it's like such a fucked up place. Excuse my language. But it's such a it's such a strange place. But but it should it should pass. I mean, it's hard to figure out who's going to rally against it. Republicans. Not that they matter, should be in favor of it. Um, And certainly moderate Democrats should be in favor of it. And progressives don't like sort of enforcement issues, but even, you know, you've talked to progressives in the city, because I know you care about this issue a lot. Um, and they don't, they don't love, cannabis. you know, Brad Hoyleman, and they don't, they want to close these places too, Mark Right Levine, you know, whoever we're talking about. So um, I assume that that gives them, you know, I don't know where Liz Kruger is, for instance, I bet she's against it.
0: Right. Um, so it's an election year in Albany. And typically speaking, you know, my assumption is in election years, the legislative leaders goal is to get in and out with as little controversy as possible, to do nothing to endanger uh, any of their members in their upcoming election. Um, You know, if you're Stuart Cousins or Hasty, for the listeners, Andrew Stuart Cousins is the Senate Majority Leader, Carl Hasty is the House Assembly Speaker. Um, Is there a proactive agenda that they really want to pass and will use real political capital to pass, or do they just want to get in and out?
1: No, I think they have to do stuff. I mean, I, I actually look at this bill. If you're in Albany right now, if you're a Manhattan legislator in Albany and now I feel bad about Liz Kruger because I, I think she might be, even she might be in favor of passing this. You want to go back and tell your folks that you helped get these stores closed, right? I don't just mean we. I mean just generally. No, speaking. no, no. But I'm using that issue as an example. So, and I, you know, housing is a really complicated one that tends to not be a vote getter because there's so many people that are on all sides of it. So they. It depends what the housing issue is. I think on some of the local, um, you know, cannabis retail, I think those, I think they will do stuff on those. They'll, what, they what, they have to.
0: What are vote getters, right? Because I think that that's, there's often a misnomer. For, for example, every poll would say people care a lot about schools, right? And I don't think anybody Uh, votes you know on education issues when it actually comes down to it people care a lot about the environment but other than maybe like young people I don't think anybody votes on that stuff so like when people go to the ballot box whether it's policy issues or personality
1: issues or whatever else like what do you think's in their mind well I think there's a difference between what you're running for Um, and so certainly when you're running for mayor and the city doesn't feel safe crime becomes the top issue and it blasts everything else out like it's it dwarfs everything out. We saw that in 2021. Um, I think we saw that in the 90s a bunch of times. It it was less of an issue in the 2000s, although I think you would argue that because the city was feeling safer, that gave people the incentive to vote for Mike Bloomberg, even if they were, quote, a Democrat and he was, quote, a Republican. So I think crime and safety in New York City matters a lot. And by the way, in 2022, in the governor's race, it was the number one issue, too. Right. She just didn't get that for a while. But then when she got it, it sort of helps Thwart off the Republican who got really close to her, so certainly public public safety. Um, you know the economy is also. If you look at the 01 mayor's race economy, if you look at you know 2000. Uh, sorry, you know some of the presidential races. Uh, you know it's it's a question of is this a for presidential? I think it's is it a domestic year? Is it an international year? Or is it an end of our democracy year? Uh, and for the city, it's, is it, is it crime or because everything is okay, can I afford, can I, can I be a little bit more progressive? Can I do the things that like, I think I should do, but I'm, and that's why I think you get to Blasio, right? Like the city felt okay. And he's out there talking about inequality and everything feels okay. So let's give him a shot to do it. I don't think any of this is conscious. I think it's like, you know, and, and I, at the end of the day, you know, we can't forget that people vote, people tend to vote for their Um, identities as well, right? So Eric Adams gets, you know, 90%, 85% of the black vote. Um, You know, gay voters get gay votes, you know. So progressives, you know, often tend to be young and white and vote for young white people, Brad Brad Lander and others. Right.
0: So there was a Michael Goodwin today in the New York Post, and and I'm not saying as goes Goodwin goes to the New York Post, but he he, he talked about Adams being a one-term mayor saw that. And you tend to generally ascribe a lot of power to the New York Post in terms of their ability to influence I do. elections, whether it was the you know Lee Zeldin coming close against Hokel or all those congressional seats in Long Island, or I've heard you say many times that one of Eric Adams' you know, biggest strengths that he had in the 2021 mayoral election was the just constant support of the New York Post. Um,
1: is he losing the Post? And if he does lose the Post, does it matter? He hasn't lost the Post yet but he might be on the way. Um, and so, you know. I mean, we, we all remember a city where, where Mike Bloomberg uh, was endorsed by the Post. You would get one nice endorsement and that was that. Chris Quinn ran for mayor in 2013. She was endorsed by the Post, um, but they didn't do any coverage around it. It was like one endorsement day over. At some point, new, uh, new folks come in to run the Post under Murdoch and they decide we're gonna use the Post as a cudgel. Nearly begins in 2016 with Donald Trump where they got behind Trump. Um, And then you could really feel it mounting uh, to 2020 and 2021. In 2021, not only did they endorse Eric Adams, uh, and not only did they then spend six weeks doing only positive stories about Eric Adams, they also did negative stories about everyone else. And they wouldn't take any story about anything that wasn't positive for Eric and negative for someone else. So you had stories about you know other candidates that were drinking too much and you know had all these issues Eric Adams was a saint in all of his coverage and the post matters new yorkers read the post it also helps push television i mean it helps set the tone for i think you have the times that does a little bit of that on the on the on the very left and i think the post does it in the middle and on the right in in the city and and in the suburbs especially by the way you n- nowhere more clear than lee zeldin and all these congressional republicans were all of a sudden like you know Kathy Hochul is within four points of a Republican because the Post every day is like Saint Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul is like the devil, and right. you get that every day. So that that's where I think the Post is. They once they made a bet to be with Eric and have a nice open door relationship with him, where they feel like he listens to them and blah They're they're going to be less likely to totally turn their backs on him. That being said. I think there is general disdain in the editorial folks for some of the things he has done. And over the last couple of weeks, he has really targeted the press. Um, And it's just not popular to target the press with the press. So he's got, you know, his, his deputy mayor, Phil Banks, calling them clown hour. He's got, you know, kind of constant drumbeat of my coverage isn't fair, my coverage isn't fair. And that, along with some of the corruption issues, I think make it really hard. And and I would say a lack of a kind of proactive agenda that the Post likes makes it hard for the Post. He has not lost them yet, though. But I think, by the way, Goodwin is a good example. I think if you start to see that uh, and you start to eke it into the editorial coverage, which it hasn't really yet, like the real editorials there, they start to turn negative. By the way, even the corruption stuff against the mayor is like page 19 three paragraphs of the post. Right. That stuff's got to be, as you see that, get to page two and page one. As you see those editorials, that's how you'll know he's lost the post.
0: So a- as an aside, have you ever in your career, every time an administration at, at any level of government, or, and by the way, legislative side too, um, starts to fail, they have the same thing, which is we're, it's a communications problem. We're doing a great job, but we're not getting our message out there properly, and the press isn't fair to us. Have you ever seen anyone just be like, yeah, we've actually not done a great job? Like, it, it, it's just like the universal go-to is to sort of blame your comms team and to blame the press. Does that ever work?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're in the bunker, and they think that all this, you know, they're they're deep in the bunker of their own minds. And by the way, sometimes they're right. I don't know that the—I I have a totally different view. I mean, the Adams folks got away with whatever until— after he won and had amazingly glowing coverage. They don't view it that way. They think even the campaign coverage was bad, which is like, you know, I don't know what to make of that. But um, so I, I think once you get in the bunker, the real question is listen, I think Mike Bloomberg thought the coverage was unfair all the time. The mm-hmm. difference is, for the most part, with one or two exceptions, he didn't go out and say that. He went out and, you know, did the things you had to do, called the reporter on their birthday once in a while and checked in with room nine and had his press folks. Uh, doing the same. And I think, you know, de Blasio complained about the coverage all the time, sometimes rightfully, frankly, but you just it's just hard to do it because uh, it really and and by the way, once in a while is once in a while. This is sort of this is like everything's unfair. And I think, you know, Mitchell Moss had a great quote in a time story the other day, which is like, you can't complain about the reps all the time, while also not offering a proactive agenda that New Yorkers care about. Because all of a sudden, like, you're complaining about these things that are out of your control. And as mayor, like, you have to do st- you have to do stuff. You can't just complain about stuff anymore. Right. can't complain about Biden and complain about the press. You have to actually execute things. And I think, and by the way, Eric Adams would argue he is executing things. But all people are hearing, because all that's being reported is like what's, complaining about the press. And Tell me what's being executed successfully. From well, what I
0: see, the rat problem has only gotten worse. He
1: would argue crime is down, Right. I mean, that's,
0: so, some mean indicators of crime are down, some are up. And, and
1: Overall crime, is mes- as managed by the police department, is down. Murders are down. Shootings are down. Now, they're up from 2019. Right. But they're down from 20, yeah, when but, he was but, elected. But,
0: but no vote. People just either feel safe or they don't. They're not like, oh, Eric Adams, the, the stats since the day you took over. It's like the city doesn't feel safe right now.
1: I don't think it feels as unsafe as it did when he won. Got it. Okay, so that's progress. and
2: I should say the NYPD was out this week arresting protesters who were blocking traffic in pretty big numbers That seemed
0: like a big change to me. Yeah Yeah, yeah. Would, and, would, and not not allowing the Brooklyn Bridge to become a flea market is a good uh,
1: idea I would get those folks off the street I would like because I think that's overwhelmingly popular To and he hasn't done as much of that But it's good to see that he's doing that. This
0: so week. you mentioned corruption. Yep a few months ago. It was like Adams is being arrested tonight it's true. And then all of a sudden now it seems to have gone away completely. Is it? Is he in the clear? What's going on?
1: I just don't know. And I think it's, I mean, this is like very political and not legal. So who knows? I think the U.S. attorney at some point, and maybe we're not there yet, has an obligation to come out and say there's smoke or there's not. Because at some point you really are hampering his mayoralty, uh, which ha- which is bad for the city. And I think under de Blasio, uh, they finally came out and said, we think he acted shittily, but there's not enough to indict him and then they moved on and he got to do other stuff. If Eric Adams, like, I I don't think it's fair to New Yorkers and, and I don't know that we're there yet. But at some point after X amount of months and X amount of money and X amount of smoke, I think because it's the mayor of New York City, like it can't be just a regular case that they handle the regular way. They've got to come out and explain. And,
0: and arguable that Jamie Williams, the US attorney has really misplayed this entire thing?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know him. I know that I was a big fan personally of Brian Benjamin, lieutenant governor. I don't know, you know, and I thought the way they treated Brian Benjamin was totally unfair. They, they ended up forcing him to resign. Then it came out later that a lot of that stuff, they've dismissed most of the charges. And that. I know there's one sort of minor charge that's still out there that's not really on the underlying thing. And so, you know, I mean, I it's not to say that going after corruption isn't a good thing, because it is. And maybe there is corruption there. And if there is, we should know about it. And I think that's what they're trying to do. So I'm not... You know, I don't know. And if you have to get Eric Adams on the street with the FBI and you got to get his phone, then I guess you got to get his phone.
0: Yes, but, but I, that that felt so over the top that, like, to do that and then not have the goods to back it up seems to me like there's a misstep somewhere.
1: Right. So I think at some point they have a little bit of an obligation to come forward and say, but well, the thing is whether they will and how they will or whether they'll just, you know, who knows. I, I don't think we've heard the last of it, if that's your question. I just don't know. Does that mean we're going to indict a whole bunch of the fo- the, the, the sort of Turkish folks around him Or does that mean we're going to go after specific staffers? Or does that mean we're going after him? And by the way, as we saw with Andrew Cuomo, I think, like Andrew Cuomo had his top staffer in the world indicted and put in jail while he was there for taking money. Um, And it did not do any harm to Andrew Cuomo. Zero harm. Yeah, yeah.
0: Unless, in my experience... The principal has to be indicted and has to be indicted for personal corruption, not for campaign finance violations. Right. Um, all right. Let's flip over. and we're, at, we're kind of run time. On the federal side, there's a special George Santos, who was expelled from Congress. There's a special election coming up for his seat. The seat is at partly Queens, mostly Long Island. Um, Tom Suozzi, who had had the seat in the past, uh, is running again. Suozzi is a you know, re- relatively successful career politician. Um, but... You know, Republicans have been successful in, in that area the last couple of years.
1: Um, how do you think that plays out? Can you guess what I'm going to say after after sitting here for half an hour? I think you're going
0: to predict the Republican.
1: I'm going to say that the Post is going to be relentless in their coverage and beat up Tom Suozzi and proactively support this lady that seems lovely but has never done anything. Um, Democrats are going to spend millions and millions of dollars, and I think it's going to be a close race. It really shouldn't be a close race. They just had George Santos in there. They couldn't find anyone to run for that seat. Uh, But I think the Post is going to team up with Ronald Lauder. They're going to spend millions of dollars on that seat for Republicans. It's going to be a little bit of an even match financially. And, you know, in Long Island right now, the president's not super popular. Governor's not super popular. Mayor's not super popular. Post is going to hit them hard. Toss-up.
0: In New Jersey, there's a U.S. Senate primary to replace Bob Menendez. Um, Tammy Murphy, who uh, I am strongly supporting, uh, is one of the candidates, but Congress member Andy Kim and, and some others are in the race too. Um, how do you see that shaping up?
1: Well, I'm a big fan and supporter of Tammy Murphy as well um, and like her and like the governor um, and, and pulling for her. I have been surprised by the reaction of sort of moderate, some moderate folks at the idea of having your wife run for the seat. I actually don't, I don't totally get the difference between Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton and Tammy Murphy and Phil Murphy and, but I have been surprised at the intensity of the reaction that some folks have had. Um, And sometimes that spells trouble. Um, My hope is that it doesn't and that she can run a really good campaign. She's really smart. uh, And people really like her when you know know her. So my hope is she runs a good campaign. And 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 she she would
0: be just in my experience. An independent voice, right? Like she's just not a pushover at all. So, like, and I could see why Chuck Schumer in some ways wouldn't want Tammy because he wants people he can control and tell what to do. And uh, I don't think you can do that with her. Um, but that primary is coming up in what eight weeks, 10 yeah, weeks, something like weeks, that. Something yeah, it's, like it's, that. It's, it's, it's coming around the corner. Um, quick thoughts on where we are the Iowa caucus is on Monday. Um, and for the Republicans, I Trump is up by 50 plus points. Um, Wait, is it Monday? Is it the 17th so the fifth, or, the the or the 15th? I think you're right. So, ridiculous. does that change your travel plans to go back? No, no, no. No, no, no. Uh, so, uh, November, next, this coming November, are our two choices, Donald Trump and Joe Biden? Probably. Certainly Joe Biden. Uh, and, There's you know. no world in your view where Biden, things get so bad no. that he realizes that it's actually just for his own legacy's sake, not a good idea. No. Because people can't walk away from that kind of power.
1: Because it's too late, and the system is set up in such a way that, and because people, and because I think he's been a decent president. I think the optics of being 80 years old are really hard. 81 now. 81 now. But I think if you look at on the actual list of things, like no one's been indicted. We're managing a war in the Ukraine. He's managing a war in Israel by doing the right thing. Um, he's gotten, you know, the economy is more jobs than we ever had. The economy's back in place. We're not under threat of.
0: So all all true, and yet he's wildly unpopular. He's only getting older. So so tell me, so, I, I agree with everything you so just who, said. Who's the alternative? Well, forget about the alternative. No, just just tell me what he's if he's already losing to Trump in the polls. The poll, I mean, what, you know, what changes?
1: I just don't know how much to—when it's a binary choice between Donald Trump and Joe Biden, I assume that a lot of folks in the middle will come back to Joe Biden. I could be wrong. I just don't know what the alternative is. And I think it's hard to tell the one person who's beaten Donald Trump that they shouldn't run again. But do incumbents—when
0: incumbents incumbents are in office and their reelect is really low— it's pretty rare in my experience but, that, but this is different. that trumps it. This is different. Just because this is It's so Donald unusual. Trump.
1: This yeah. isn't like some... If, listen, if Nikki... So here's the one thing. If Nikki Haley is the nominee, I assume she'll win. Yeah. Right? Like, I think at that point, you've got like a sort of fresh, moderate, you know, bah, 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 running against someone who's... Not really all that moderate, but yeah. She would argue she's
0: moderate. Maybe if, she would I don't would, know. What do I you know? wouldn't but, acknowledge slavery as the cause of the Civil
2: War... She's I not a major threat to democracy in an obvious way, right? Correct. <laughs> I think that's Fair right.
1: enough. And... and, and I think she has a shot. I don't know, ten percent, fifteen percent. I mean, she there was a poll out yesterday that has her down five or six in New Hampshire. Another poll has her down twenty in New Hampshire. She has to win New Hampshire. She's going to lose Iowa. Can she come in second in Iowa, win New Hampshire, and then get to South Carolina? And you know, meanwhile, every day Trump is saying like, "I hope the economy blows up," and I hope you know it's like every day he's got some crazy thing not helping himself.
0: Ma- None of it seems to matter.
1: Well, we'll see. Ever? We'll mm. know. We'll know. And I think I think it's you know, th- there's a danger in overreading polls as. Um, as things that have already happened when they haven't happened yet And of course there's also a danger in ignoring polls like we did with Hillary in 16 where voters voter said I don't want them and we forced them to take Hillary anyway, and then she lost so both of those right. things are a danger. So I don't want to
0: right so then let me let me wrap it all up by kind of bringing it together Which is okay. So now let's fast forward a year from now um, Who was just elected president?
1: I think Joe Biden. I'm an eternal okay. optimist.
0: A year from now, is Kathy Hochul in the poll position heading into her reelection because her her twenty twenty four agenda was really successful, or is she middling, or is she doing is she struggling? Don't know. Uh, a year from now, is Eric Adams the mayor of New York City? And if so, since it will now be his reelection year, is yeah. he a, a sure bet for
1: reelection? He's he's the mayor. I don't think he's, I think there's 0%, well, I think there's a very, very low chance that some special election comes. It would have to happen way too fast. And he's not, He like Trump, he's never gonna resign. Um, and I don't mean that in a, in a terrible way. I do think he's gonna have a, I do think he's gonna have a real election in 2025 with, at, at the very, very minimum, Catherine Garcia, who lost by a hair last time, uh scott stringer and i would watch out for andrew cuomo too who says he's not going to run against him but like come on
0: oh, Well, once other people the door opens might yeah. yeah and if
1: he's if he got a bunch of polls every day that show him winning uh i think it's hard pressed that he's going to say no my friendship with eric adams means too much to me so you know <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see i mean i don't know and he I, I think there's a redemption story that cuomo wants to achieve here where he feels like he was thrown out, you know, uh, unfairly, and now he will go out and he needs to like redeem his image. And the only way to do that is to either be the mayor or the governor. And for right now, you know, he certainly feels like he's hearing from folks who think that being the mayor is is is, is achievable. It's a lot easier for Andrew Cuomo to be mayor in a special election, where Republicans and independents have a chance to vote, yeah, than it is in a Democratic primary that tends to favor uh, folks on the left. Um, that being said, I don't think you'll see if Eric Adams is on the ticket, the far left, Brad Lander, blah, 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 they're not going to run. If it's a special election, everybody runs. Everybody runs. The whole Because it's a free shot. You don't have to give up your job. It's like free shot. Yeah. So I think in a special, you'd have 12 candidates, and Lander, Levine. But and what that said, a special only happens if Adams
0: resigns or is removed by the governor. I think correct. we both believe that even if he is indicted, that's not going to happen.
1: Yeah. That's probably right. So, but it's a fun parlor game.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure, and
1: I do think some of those folks. I mean, so interestingly, Catherine Garcia's spokesperson was quoted in the Times saying, "Now is the time for Catherine Garcia." I'm paraphrasing a little bit. This is before there's a special. Before the guy, she's still working for the governor. She's the director of operations for the governor, and she has a spokesperson who's out there still saying, "Still a paid spokesperson?" Well, he's. Not, I'm sure he's not paid, but you know, he who was, is it? Uh, Matt Wing, who used to work for Cuomo. So, oh, right. Funny. So, my point on that is I think some of the special stuff is becomes a smokescreen for 25. So, sure, we're only talking about a special, but you're making calls to Congress people saying, Will you support me if there's a special? Right. And then when there's no special, you've spent a year working them and developing a sort of shadow campaign right. under the guise because of special nothing
0: matters more than Jerry Nadler's mayoral endorsement. Um, as Scott Stringer showed us. Well, um,
1: Scott Stringer needs it. Yeah, it's, it's the only yeah, but so anyway,
2: all right, well lot to look forward to um let's say one thing yeah. Bradley, obviously if there are major developments in the Adams investigation, which there probably will be sometime soon. Yeah, Chris um, will come back. I'll be we'll back. have Chris back to talk
0: about it. Sounds good Chris, how do people do you still care about like Twitter and Twitter followers and yeah, that kind of, of stuff? Course. So how do people
1: follow you? Oh I see. T um, at Chris Coffee Talk. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I used to me. care about it. I don't hear you talk I mean, about it much anymore. Uh, I think Twitter's, you know, but I I check Twitter every day. I don't always tweet, but
0: Okay. Here we go. Chris,
1: thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me.
0: Firewall is recorded on the lower east side of PNT Network, home to New York City's only free podcast recording studio. Let us know if you have a question, feedback, or ideas for a guest. Just email me at Bradley at firewall.media or find me on Twitter, or some people now call it X, at Bradley Tusk. And don't forget to pre-order my debut novel, Obvious in Hindsight, wherever books are sold, especially here at PNT Network.